When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. For another episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast, it's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, Game Source, the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast, and of course our good friends at the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. It is sincerely appreciated. Well, this is one of my favorite times of the year. It's just before the start of the NBA season, and what a better time to do the NBA season preview right here at the Lakers Fast Break. And who better to do it with than the man I've done this before with. We've gone through the playoffs together. We've done season previews together. And now we're back to do one more. It is a good friend. He is the mastermind behind the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. you got to go ahead and check it out wherever you get your podcast. It shows every Monday through Thursday. And he is on personally Mondays and Thursdays. you got to go ahead and check out if you want to become an aficionado of anything and everything NBA draft. It is my good friend. It is Mr. Raphael Barlow and Raphael. Great to have you back talking NBA once again. Yeah, it's, it's around the corner. Season starts what Tuesday. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. So it's uh it's, it's approaching fast. It still feels a little early. It feels really early. I remember... Well, remember one year ago, you and I were just wrapping up our, time during the playoffs the yeah. lakers had just won a little bit over a year and a week uh less than a week ago so time flies my friend yeah but usually i remember the season started like halloween like around that time yeah and now we're like a week earlier so um yes yeah, it still seems a little early but i'm i'm happy that that we're here well barring any other catastrophes like we've already gone through, I think that next year is going to be on time, the schedule. I think this is the final year that we have to go ahead of any tweaking of the calendars year for the NBA, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, hopefully. Um, hopefully. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. But it's going to be a great season. I'm looking forward to it, and I know you are as well, my friend. I know you've had some shout-outs and some thoughts on the NBA season on your Locked On NBA Draft podcast and recent episodes. 
Plus, you talked a lot about some of the different prospects that are out there, including his latest one where he talks about some of the French prospects as well. So we'll have to see if you can go ahead and check that out, please, because he's got a great lineup of shows, not only from himself, but his other regular mainstays on that channel. So please go ahead and check that out on the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. But we're here talking the NBA season preview, my friend. Let's start with the Eastern Conference. We're going to go from a 15 to 1 scenario. And then after we go through the Eastern and Western Conference, we're going to have our conference finals winners. And then, of course, the NBA finals winners who will come out on top ultimately with this NBA championship. So number 15 in the Eastern Conference. Who do you have, my friend? The Orlando Magic. I think they're going to be just awful. <laughs> what a quinky dink. I have them at number 15 as well. Uh, I do want to go ahead and give a shout out to former guest who did talk the Orlando magic, uh, pay my respects to the late Alex Fleming, who, who spoke so highly of them and how he was looking forward to the season. Uh, he unfortunately passed away this past week. So I wanted to go ahead and, and give him a shout out. And he was looking on the bright side of everything, but I know, when you look at it from a perspective of the roster that's there, they have got such a a dearth of real talent there. I think only one other team I see with less talent uh, as far as overall is concerned. But the one individual I'm hoping that might change around and I'm hoping will give them a bigger boost and maybe even take them out of this 15th position, although I think maybe Orlando is still trying to go ahead and do what they can to tank is Jalen Suggs. Your thoughts on Jalen Suggs. To me, he's someone that I think that has got a bright future, even though they do have RJ Hampton, who's played well so far in the preseason. They've got Cole Anthony. They've got Markel Fultz. What do they do about this four guard for this four point guard rotation? This is, it's kind of crazy, man. If I knew the answers, I'd tell you, I don't know. I mean, you can, I mean, they can throw out, so many different lineups. Like if if you told me their starting lineup today was for or at least for opening night was Jalen Suggs and Gary Harris with I don't know Jonathan Isaac, I I believe you. Uh, if yeah. you told me it was Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz, I wouldn't be shocked. If you told me it was Suggs and Hampton, like there's so many guys that have, I mean, just so many similar skill sets. I mean, Fultz is the only one that has been paid so far. So everyone else is there. I mean, they're young. They're looking for their next contract. They're still trying to find their, you know, their their role or who they are in the league, which is tough for a young coach because, you know, guys are trying to get paid. I mean, they, I saw that they, they paid Wendell Carter, which I was uh, kind of shocked that he signed so early. I thought he would have at least tried to, to at least gamble on himself and see if he can get a little bit more money after the season. But with his injuries, then it kind of makes sense to try to get something secured there. But, you know, they have a lot of talent, a lot of young guys. Oh, I should say they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of guys that are talented with potential, um, but nobody really knows the the pecking order. Like, who's their go-to guy? Who's their closer? I mean, it's just a lot of questions to be, to be answered. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to struggle. I think it's going to take a while for the, the coach to find a rotation. And once he finds a rotation, it's still a matter of keeping guys happy. I like Suggs a lot, but he really struggled in the in the preseason. Like if you just look at his numbers overall, they were 
it was pretty brutal. Um, but it is preseason. You know, you don't want to overreact towards preseason. But <laughs> I think so far in preseason, Suggs, 27% from the floor, 20% from three, 33% from the free throw line, three assists, two turnovers, five points per game. Not the way you want to start off your, your NBA season, but again, it's maybe it's just preseasons working out the kinks, but I kind of found it weird that they wanted to go ahead already and sign Wendell Carter Jr. to a contract extension. Of course, with his injury history, you're right. I would sign it if I was him. Orlando just, I know it just, they seem already seem to make a definitive decision between him and Mo Bamba. They're playing them together. The last yeah. preseason. Oh, game. that's right. Their last preseason game. I saw them in the lineup together. That That's right. So, yeah, doing that extra wide body thing, especially with Jonathan Isaac there for that extra wide length. So on the defensive end, it sounds great. On the offensive end, they're going to be struggling for points. So don't be surprised if you see some uh, 60s and 70-point games maybe popping up every now and then. So If you only score 70 points in today's NBA, <laughs> I mean, that's really, really bad. Well, we had a team in the exhibition season that lost by 70 and did only score 59. So, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's, you know, anything is possible with this NBA season. But Orlando Magic is at number 15. Number 14, who do you have? The Detroit Pistons. I think they're going to be pretty, pretty bad also. They also have to figure out their guard rotation. I mean, I think they're going to start the season with Cunningham and Killian Hayes together. Just because Killian, you know, they've invested so much in him. And I was super, super high on Killian last year. I was really high. But so far, the results early just haven't haven't been the best. And so I think Cade is best with the ball in his hands. And they're eventually going to have to figure out a way to make Cade the primary. Killian is not a good shooter off the ball, while Cade is. So even though it may not be the best fit for them, I think they're going to try them together. Um, looks like they're going to start Olenek at center. And then Sadiq Bey, Jerry and Grant, um, and then after that, you know, the, the depth is, is is pretty thin. I think they should be better than Orlando simply because Jerry and Grant and I think Kate is going to be really good. So, um, Is he your choice for the rookie of the year? Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. I haven't. I'm still trying to decide. I think okay. based off of preseason, I think you got to throw Josh Giddy in that mix. Yeah, he's been looking very good. Um, maybe uh, that's an upcoming episode of Locked On NBA Draft Podcast to find out? Maybe. I'm trying to – I mean, it's it's been so redundant. Everybody's kind of talking about yeah. the same thing, so I'm trying to go outside the box a little bit. There you go. I'm but, uh, no, I, I don't know. Very good about the French prospects. I thought that was definitely outside the box and definitely uh, enjoyed that. But mine – I'm doing a little bit of a flip-flop, I think, from the 13 to 14 position because I think you are your 13 is my 14, and that's 14 is Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, to me, it just reminds me of that old Christmas special where you get to the island of misfit parts, and it just seems like it's all these different parts that don't exactly fit together. There's mm-hmm. some talent there. It just doesn't seem to look like on paper that it's going to work very well. I mean, you've got Evan Mobley, who I think can become a really good player in the league, but I just don't know alongside Larry Markinen, You've got, of course, Jared Allen. You've got the backcourt, the Sexland backcourt of 
Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. I think I think something's going to have to happen. They're going to have to maybe trade or move one of the, or two of those parts in order to go ahead and make it a better team overall. I mean, the, the wings, Isaac Okoro, nobody knows if he can actually do anything on the offensive side of the ball. So we're, we're worrying about that. So I just, I don't see this perfect fit for any of the individuals that are there. So I'm, I'm thinking it's not going to look very good on the court. And I think they're going to have a hard time on both ends of the floor for the Cleveland Cavaliers. You forgot Kevin Lowe. Yeah, I think the whole team would right now forget about Kevin Love. I'm just waiting for him to go viral once again with another temper tantrum. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I don't know what they're going to do with Kevin Love, but I, I agree as far as the parts. The, Is that the, your number 13 team? Yeah, I have my number 13. Yeah, see, they're just we're pretty much around the same level. And the same thing with Detroit. When it comes to Detroit, uh, I like I, I like a a lot. I think he's going to actually be at some point traded because I think he's going to be a value commodity when you've got a big man who can shoot as well as he can. Kate Cunningham, I really like. He's not. Uh, I'm leaning. He's. He, I'm leaning away from him as a rookie of the year contender. I think there's one contender I, I think a little bit stronger for me, but still, the talent is there. Uh, I think that he's got a long time spot as far as in the hierarchy of the league if he wants it if he works hard enough i think that you're right with killian hayes it's what you're worried about the kind of fit between those two because killian hayes can't play off the ball as of yet so i'm kind of worried how that fits and jeremy grant i know he went there on a free agent because he wanted to go ahead and be able to be a place where he can be the guy but do you see him being also a tradable commodity as well yes and no the reason i say Yes, it's because he could bring something in return. The reason I say no is because, I mean, if, if I'm not mistaken, if you look at their roster, they need somebody that's going to make some type of money yeah. to, you know, to reach the floor. Um, I know they're still paying Blake. Um, but then also you need to have some type of veteran there. So, I mean, you don't want to go all young because you have some – I mean, you, you have a bunch of young guys running wild without any leadership. So I, I do think that he can be there to provide some leadership. And then um, if he asks out, I think they'll gladly move him. But maybe it's something that you see at the deadline. Maybe a team feels like they're a piece away and they'll mortgage their future for him. I mean, I, it seems like Detroit thinks that they're going to be competitive. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know why. But as far as Cleveland... I mean, I think that Cleveland showed some flashes last year. Um, Markinen and Mobley, it's like they got you know, their front court is pretty interesting, and, and that's not even including Love. Um, but I, I guess they feel like Mobley has the versatility to be able to defend threes, and Markinen can defend fours. And then, um, but I think one of the reasons why Markinen has to start is because they need floor spacing. Because if they go with Okoro, Mobley and Allen. I mean, they're not going to have a lot of floor spacing. I know everybody talks about the theory of Mobley as a shooter, but he's just really not a shooter at this point in his career. The upside is there, but I had mentioned it before. You know, when you talked about during the draft, everybody was concerned about Jalen Johnson as a shooter, but everybody believed in Mobley as a shooter, and their percentages were pretty much similar, and both are going to be forced in today's NBA. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think Mobley's form looks better. The touch is better, 
but you know, as far as the percentages, they weren't they weren't much better than Jalen Johnson. So I think you have to start you have to start marketing simply because you need another floor spacer there. Well, with Mobley, I I had told you when he was a draft prospect that you know at best is an undrafted or a second round draft pick. I thought that his brother was a better outside shooter at this point in, in his in both their careers and. He went back to USC and Evan obviously went as number two in the draft, excuse me, number three in the draft. So, you know, it's something that I think we'll be looking at to see if he is going to be a a good long-term fit in Cleveland with him right beside Jared Allen, who has that nice big fat contract he signed over the course of the off season. So we'll see what that plays out. But again, 14 Cleveland for me, 13 for Detroit. It's just flip-flop for Raphael, but we both have them pretty much in the same place. Number 12. Man, I'm looking at my list, and I might have to flip-flop it. Number 12, I'm going to go with the Washington Wizards. Okay. I think, uh, I don't know. Their pieces don't necessarily fit to me either. You got, I mean, I'm guessing their opening opening day lineup will be Dinwiddie, Bill. I don't know if they're going to start. Gafford or Thomas Bryant. I don't know if he's back yet. I think Denny Avdia is not playing yet. Hachimura. I mean, I don't. Has he come back yet? Last I haven't kept up with the box scores, but I don't think he's back yet. Um, it's gonna be interesting there. Kuzma and uh, KCP, the the Laker guys. It doesn't look like any of them are probably gonna start. Maybe I, I don't know. I, I just don't think that they're gonna they're gonna be very good. Um, but then they got a new coach, you know. I don't really have a read on on their coach or his philosophy or anything like that. So you never know. But just on paper, it, it doesn't seem like the the best fit for me. But you know, just the best combination of players to uh, to be a playoff team. I see them not too much higher at number eleven. So I'll just uh, let you know. I agree with you in your assessment of that. I think there's a lot of movable parts that they will move during the course of the season or right around the trading deadline. They have a lot of, uh, you know, players that again, a lot of courtesy of the Lakers that they traded over for Russell Westbrook, but they have a lot of individuals there that are probably better fits on other teams as a separate unit, as opposed to all together on the same team. The question I have for you on Washington is, will Bradley Beal get traded this year? Uh, I guess it depends on Bradley Bill. I think the power is 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 in his hands. Um, I don't I don't think so. I think he's going to stick it out. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I think that he'll be looked at strongly depending on where the team is at. I know that he is happy. He said he's happy in Washington, but yeah. I know that there's the realistics of where they are as an organization and if they need to improve and if the right deal comes along, it, it just might be too hard for them to say no, but we'll wait and see uh, who is your number 11 team. Cause again, that for Washington, it was me for number 12, uh, you for number 12. So who is your number 11 team? The Toronto Raptors. Okay. That's what I thought. So we flip flopped on that one. They're my number 12 team. So I just think with them, it's a lot – for me, it's it's about offense. I just don't think with all the players that they have there – and, again, you've got your famous comment on the <laughs> Locked on NBA Draft podcast. 
in regards to Scotty Barnes, why would you draft a guy number five as just a glue guy or number four as just a glue guy? So yeah. it's just, yeah, that, that famous comment, I think, I, I agree with you. I think he's going to be a good player in the league, but is he someone that's going to stand out? I, I don't see anything yet. I'm hoping I'm wrong. And I'm hoping that the kid will become a star and a breakout star that a number four pick will generate uh, oftentimes. But I just don't see it as of yet, as far as being other than that guy who's going to, like you said, keep everything together. But I think with OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, whenever he comes back and Fred Van Vliet, it's a nice lineup, but it's just not something I'm going to go ahead and be too worried about. They'll be okay on defense. I just think they're just going to have a hard time scoring points. Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of length and and guys that can switch and and defend multiple positions. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. But I don't know, if Siakam comes back as a 25-point-per-game scorer, Van Vliet can put up 20, 22 points per game, and defensively they're really good, then they can make some noise. I like Nick Nurse. He's not someone that I like to bet against. Um, I think he is creative enough on offense where he can make them – he can make their offense better than how it would look on paper. Uh, but I'm just looking at the teams that are ahead of them, and I think it's going to be tough for them to, to jump up. I agree with you on that because the East overall looks like it's the better conference of the two. And that's the first time I can really say that in a long, long time. You think it's better? I think it, I think when you look at from one to 15, I think it gets, it, it stays a little bit stronger. I think it just drops off like at 13 where I think with Western conference, it drops off for me around 10 maybe 11. So I, I just think that, that right now, overall, maybe by a nose, the Eastern Conference is better. Or at least you could say that they're on an even plane for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, that's what I think. Especially because number one and two for them is such a top-heavy position for them. They're really top-heavy. I can see that. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com. And you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. People are just losing their minds trying to consume Marvel products right now. And I don't blame them. This is some of the best entertainment you can get on TV and big screen right now. If something's going to be successful or not, they look at the mentions, they look at the likes, they look at the retweets and the tweets and the subtweets and the tweet tweets. And they look at all of that to say, okay, this is actually going to garner a lot of attention. Is it going to be enough though? I think the fish out of water syndrome might be enough for somebody like us because it's going to be hilarious to watch two stoner kids we saw barely make it through high school now live in a society that they fully don't understand because they've been stuck in a decade and never came out Facebook stars, not ninja stars, okay? I know how some people take things literally. So don't throw ninja stars at us, but like the Facebook stars. Click on those. That's what we want. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it's the Lakers Fast Break. It's our NBA season preview with Mr. Rafael Barlow from the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. We're up to our number 10 spots. And let me just recap again for me, number 15, Orlando, number 14, Cleveland, number 13, Detroit, number 12, Toronto, and number 11, Washington. 
Uh, it's just basically a couple flip-flops along the way for Rafael Barlow. And we'll, we'll go ahead and just recap that again and again as we go through the course of the show. But number 10, I have a team that also is going to have trouble scoring the basketball at times, but a team that has got a bright future and some really talented prospects, including one of the Ball brothers, and that is the Charlotte Hornets. Again, I think the offense is going to be an issue, especially after what I saw early in the preseason just a couple of days ago where they <laughs> – could only manage 59 points, but I do think that they've got a lot of talent there. What are your thoughts on the Charlotte Hornets at number 10? Yeah, they should be fun to watch. Definitely a league pass team. I like James Booknight. I think that he adds a another dimension, which is going to be off the bench since um, they just signed Rogier to that to that pretty big contract extension. The key is for them health, which is really one player, Gordon Hayward. He yeah. is the key. If he can stay healthy, then I think they can make some noise. Without him, I think they're going to struggle because nobody else really moves the ball like that. He's yeah. their second best passer, and he's the—I mean—he's a really good player when he when he's healthy. I think he's very underrated. He's more known for his injuries and his contracts at, at this point. But when he's healthy, I mean, he's he's a you know a, a difference maker for them. I actually have them at number nine. I have the Pacers at number 10. We're flip-flopping again, my friend, because that's who I have at nine. Tell me your thoughts on the Indiana Pacers. Well, I'm still not a big fan of Sabonis and Turner together. Um, I think Sabonis is a five. I think that's his best position in the NBA. I think Miles Turner's best position is at a five. Miles just doesn't space the floor enough. He's a good shooter, but he doesn't space it enough to where you can say he's like a stretch five. And then he also is not a really good rebounder, but Sabonis rebounds. Yeah, I mean, I'm amazed that they've kept them together this long, which is, I guess you can say it's not bad. I mean, too many times we feel like teams hit the panic button and they, you know, they they give a, a, a duo a couple years. But the key is Levert. And Levert just can't stay healthy. If Levert can stay healthy, and I think with Brogdon, Levert, and I mean I think they got a good rookie in Warren, TJ Warren, same thing. Yeah, if they can stay healthy, then I think they could be a different team. And then um, you know, they got a a, a highly respected coach in Rick Carlisle, and we'll, we'll see how much he plays Duarte. He doesn't have a he has a reputation of kind of being hard on on rookies unless he's kind of forced to to play them. But yeah, I mean I think that both teams have question marks as far as like their you know, guys that, are, that can play a major role for them in, in health. And so that's why I have the the Hornets actually above the Pacers. Okay. Like I said, to me, I think they're going to have relative right around the same record. I hear all this time during the course of the offseason how it was such a bad fit with Nate Bjorkman and obviously the, the problems that were there and the fact that the team hated him and things of that nature and how it worked out for, for the team. And I hear that when Rick Carlo comes in, oh, this team is going to be so much better because he's such a great coach and, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he's won a title and all this great stuff. But he burned his bridges with Luca in Dallas. And I'm still not convinced, like you said, with, with the pieces that they have there, if they can stay healthy and the fit between right now, we're seeing this almost the fourth, I think it's the fourth season we're seeing right now with Turner and Sabonis who everybody has said now for a long time has been such a bad fit. If they were one player, they would be the best player in the league. 
<laughs> but it is two players. So, you know, in dealing with that, they're, they're obviously it's been a good enough fit for them because they've not traded one of those individuals. So I am just kind of, uh, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm kind of down on the Pacers. I just don't think that they're going to rise as high with the arrival of Rick Carlisle as I think that they think that they do. Yeah. I mean, I think with the whole Luca Carlisle situation, I think that's kind of overblown. I think the, the real rift was between Luca Carlisle and the, the guy that was doing all the gambling. Yeah. The guy that, that, which I, I saw that he's not coming back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's just a matter of health. If, if if the guys can be healthy, you know, for example, if if Lavert and TJ Warren are gonna play seventy games, and I think the Pacers could be better than the Hornets, but they have two guys that I think are projected starters out, while the Hornets or two guys that are projected starters that have major injury concerns, while the Hornets have one. So that's the reason why I got the Hornets finishing above the Pacers. There you go. Once again, it's the NBA season preview with Rafael Barlow. Number eight, who do you have now sneaking in as a playoff team at number eight? At number eight. Well, that's besides the fact if, you know, play-ins, so if they could lose the play-ins like we saw last year in the Western Conference. But who do you have coming in at number eight? The Boston Celtics. Ooh. Yeah, they – um I mean, I want Boston to be good, but it just seems like even though they have two really, really young players as their first and second best player, it seems like their window is closing, despite the fact that they're young. Like, how often can we talk about a team where you feel like their window is closing when they have two of their best players that aren't even in their primes yet? Um, I like Schroeder. I mean, I know people don't like him. Um, I, I And... Uh, I like I like what Robert Williams brings when he's focused and healthy and healthy um but yeah just looking at the the teams in the east I just think that there are seven teams that are that are better than them and um they just the team is going in a weird direction right now with 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 Ainge and and Brad Stevens resigning or leaving it it's I mean, it just seems like there's something strange going on behind the scenes that we haven't really found out about. Like, these two guys were considered geniuses just three years ago, <laughs> and now both have left. Like, if you would have told me in 2000... Well, Stevens moved up. Stevens moved up. Right. And, but, I mean, like, I think he's a coach. Now, I don't know him personally, but he just seems like he is a guy that is born to coach. And that's what he loves doing. I never saw him as a front office guy, decision maker. So it just seems like there's something that went on that we don't know about it to where he decide. I mean, he's young. Like, I mean, what did he say? He was burnt out or something like that? He's yeah. he's a young guy. Like, <laughs> something is going on that, that just doesn't make sense to me. I agree with you. It's, it's something on the surface that you just not we're, not, we're not seeing as of yet or we're not hearing about. I have them as my number seven team. I think the fact that they are going to be very good on the defensive end, they've got a lot of great defensive players, especially their defensive backcourt. But the problem is with Josh Richardson and, like you said, Dennis Schroeder, 
I won't go on the the contract and all that with the Lakers. I think you know he. I think we've already roasted him enough on this show in regards to turning down that contract and all but that. But you know what? Why, why does he not get this? Why does Victor Oladipo not get the same criticism as? Agreed. Sure? Yeah. Oladipo I turned down one twelve and got two. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean that's the same thing right there for you. But with Boston, I just think generating offense again outside of the two. Tatum and Brown, you're going to have an issue there. And that's going to be something that we're going to have to see if that works out. But I think they will be one of the top defensive teams. I just think it's going to be hard for them to generate offense consistently and have that type of depth. I I think I worry about their depth when I look at them, uh, you know, on paper, having issues there as well. Who do you have as your number seven team? Chicago Bulls. Wow, we're flip flopping. You know, that's I might have to rename this podcast the Flip Flop Podcast because they're my number eighteen. So there you go. Tell me more about why you're liking the Chicago Bulls to go and sneak into the playoffs as a number seven seed. I mean, I think Vucevic is is very good. I think DeRozan is good. I like Levine. I think they just have enough talent where they should be able to out talent teams and, and win enough games to to be the seventh seat. Still have some concerns about their fit. Um, defensively is probably going to be the biggest the biggest challenge there. And then even, even like their guard rotation, they have a lot of guards between Ball, Levine, DeRozan. I like Kobe White a lot. So yeah, I mean I just think they have enough talent to where they can win enough games to um, you know to be a seventh seat. But I wouldn't be surprised if they're the 10th seed i wouldn't be surprised if they're really good or or it just doesn't work out at all but i think seven is a good spot for them i do like the improvement and what i've seen in the roster obviously getting talent like DeRozan, and you forgot the goat alex caruso who (laughs) now these chicago fans you can see all over twitter oh that's why you laker fans loved him so much and uh You've seen the way they performed in the preseason. And, they, you know, if you actually read Chicago Bulls Twitter, that is funny because they have a championship already in sight for them. But I think offensively, they're going to be one of the top offenses in the league. Defensively, outside of Caruso, Patrick Williams, I think it's going to be really hard for them to stop the ball because with the lineup that they trot out there with DeRozan and Vucevic and Levine, who are not known defenders i really think that's going to be hard for them to stop the ball to where i would think that they're going to be like a four or a five seed i really think that like where you and i have them around seven eight i think it's going to be a good spot for them simply because i think for them to they're going to move up this year i just don't think they're going to move way up like some people are expecting because some people are predicting them as like in the four or five spot i just think that's a little bit too much to ask right now yeah, I mean, especially when you look at the teams that are above them. Yeah. I, I mean, they're they're equating it to something that's similar to what we saw from New York last year, and I'm just not sure if they're going to be able to vault that high this soon. But we'll wait and see. Again, you know, Raphael and I have a flip-flop between 7 and 8, Boston and Chicago. Number 6, who do you have, my friend? The Knicks. New York. Knicks. Wow. We are on the money on this one. Same here. Yeah, I mean, I think they got better on paper. It's just unfortunately. So did the rest of the conference. Yeah, the, the other teams got better. I don't think they're better than Atlanta. 
Philly is the wild card, you know, with everything that's going on with with Ben Simmons. You know, he could destroy whatever. I don't know if he's traded. I don't think they're going to get fair value back for him. I think his value is really low. And then if he does come back, I mean, the damage might be done. He could just destroy their whole chemistry. So, uh, but I still think, you know, if you get half of Ben Simmons and you get an improved Tyrese Maxey, you still haven't beat. I think um, they're yeah, still better than the Knicks. I, I think so, but I, I I could see it either way. But I'm just I'm just betting on. I mean, for the Sixers, I mean they were the number one seed last year. So for them, I can't imagine them falling from one to six. So that's why I have I have them ahead of the Knicks. But I mean, New York. I agree with you on that. By the way, I have yeah. where exactly I have Philadelphia at number five and the Knicks six. I think the Knicks, there's a lot of nice guys on the team and they've got a lot of nice depth, but it's again, a lot of nice guys and a lot of nice depth. And they don't have that one mercurial player that's going to stand out. I, I can't ask Randall to go ahead and do the same things he did last year. That's a tough ask for a kid that's not performed at that level before. I think there, you know, a lot of people are betting on some regression. I don't think it's going to be as bad as people say it will be. I think he'll have a very good season again because I think he's a good player. I just don't think that the team itself has that one really, really good player that's going to get them above a number six seed in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and I, and I believe Randall's production is going to be the same, if not a little bit better. I mean, he works. like He's worked his tail off. Same thing I mentioned last summer, and yep. uh, you know As he you was, told me, yeah, he was back in the gym working. Um, I think the main thing that, well, one, I think that the the struggles he had in the playoffs really inspired him. So last year, you know, during the off season, the fans hated him. He was, you know, he had a chip on his shoulder to prove that, you know, he could be their guy. And then this season, I think the chip on his shoulder is we had some success or some expectations, but, you know, he really struggled versus Atlanta. So I think that's the motivating factor for him. Um, and then they added, an, I mean, if Kemba can stay healthy, you know, that, that's that's a big if. And then Fournier, I mean, I think they upgraded the roster. But, again, the teams ahead of them are just a little bit stronger, in my opinion. I agree with you on that. Uh, they did improve the roster, adding Kemba Walker and Fournier. I think they made some right moves. Uh, they, I mean, they have depth. They have some nice guys at center position. You've got Robinson coming back healthy, backing up Noel, or Noel backing up Robinson, either which way. You've got a length and defense right there. You've got Randall. You've got some nice forwards. And then you've got hopefully Obi Toppin can, can progress with what in the second season. And then you have a nice backcourt mix, and maybe someday Emmanuel quickly will get <laughs> will get will get his chance in the league. I really like the kid. The problem is that you know always there's it's so far in the, this this time. Every time he tries to get a chance to prove himself, there's always something that's put in his way. And of course, the you know the signings of Fournier and Kemba Walker put him a little bit farther on the depth chart because you've got Alec Burks, and then you've got. Derek Rose, I feel sorry for the kid. And I think he's going to actually, whenever he gets the chance, I think he's going to make it in this league. But I agree with you. Number six for New York and number five for Philadelphia. I mean, Joel Embiid, he's such a great player when he's on the court. I think it's really hard to go ahead and have him 
and, and the team below number five, whatever they get out of Simmons at this point, I think it's going to come to the point where they're going to have to trade him. You're right. I don't think they're going to get a dollar for dollar deal for him. I just think at this point that they have enough talent to go ahead and still be in that number five spot. Well, I think it is tough. Well, one, like I said, I can't see them going from one to six, but the team really is built around Simmons' skill set. There's not a lot of shot creators on the team. Yeah. I mean, Steph or Seth is going to be, he's more so of a shooter. Tobias can a little bit, but it's like their roster was really built off Embiid in the post and then Simmons getting downhill in transition, passing passing the ball and guys knocking down open shots. I mean, they shot great from three. Yeah, I mean, this is it, – it makes great TV in a sense. I mean, great headlines, great storylines. Now it seems like the media isn't protecting Simmons anymore, so now you're starting to hear the local media piling on him, which I feel like they didn't really do as much. But now you're hearing the stories that he tried to get out of Game 7 and fake COVID, uh, the work ethic. And um, it's – I think this whole Ben Simmons situation not only impacts Philadelphia, but I think it's going to impact the league and the CBA as a whole. It's a lot riding on this on this particular situation and how he handles it. And who, I mean, if he has to come out there and play opening night, that's the fans are going to be brutal. They're going yeah, to be really. I, I, that's why I want to see it though. I do want to see it. I, I can't miss that. That's can't miss TV. Yeah, I definitely want to see it too, but I'm a little biased because I am not a Ben Simmons guy at all. And uh, it's one of those things where, you know, you're like, you know, doing draft stuff and I'm telling my friends back in 2016 that I think the guy is super talented. I think he's going to be good. But I I told him, I said, man, I don't like the way he handled that LSU situation. I thought it was just a bad look of how he did not want to go to class. And he felt like he was above his teammates because, you know, his status as an NBA prospect. Now, you know, I'm not blind and not saying that it doesn't happen at other schools, but he seemed like he took it too far, like blatantly, like, no, I'm not even going to fake going to class. I just don't have to because I'm Ben Simmons and I'm going to be the number one pick. And I think – when you get that type of attitude of entitlement from your point guard, it's kind of hard for your you know, teammates to rally behind the guy. And then I, I even said then I felt like he's a good passer, but a lot of his passes are, are passes that he throws to guys because he doesn't want to shoot. And, you know, for some people look at it like, oh, man, that's being unselfish. But to me, I looked at it as he's actually being selfish because he wants to pile up his assists as opposed to making his team better by having a better balance of scoring and, and passing. So unfortunately for Philly fans, this situation I was kind of right about because I was so much higher on Brandon Ingram than Ben Simmons. And I think today Ingram has more value if it was a trade, but yeah, this Philly situation is going to be interesting. And it's crazy is that, you know, we're only a few days away. So I don't know what they're going to do as far as like, opening night. I know he's not playing in the preseason or I guess preseason is, is, is over or whatever, but I'm looking forward to seeing that. So I can keep saying with the Philly fans, it's going to be interesting indeed. And you and I like both of us, we're just, it's really can't miss TV. So I, 
my eyes will be glued on that as well when, when he comes out there and, and the kind of reaction that he gets. Yeah, I, I think the league is going to make him like the poster boy. I, I feel like part of me is like owners and general managers are like, okay, this player empowerment thing is going too far. We're putting our foot down here. We don't want him. We're going to make him go back to Philly. We're going to make this situation tough for him because he tried to, you know, he, he tried to use his power. And I think most people realize Philly did bend over backwards for him. They they kind of enabled him. And if he wasn't happy there, then you have to wonder, like, okay, what situation is he going to be happy in? So I think their owners and front offices are using him as a – they're going to make an example out of him. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, hoop heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Well, number five, as you be number four, and we're up to number four right now because both of us picked Philadelphia at number five and New York at number six. Who do you have at number four? The team that eliminated the Sixers, the Atlanta Hawks. Wow. I got them a little bit higher at number three, but we're right in the same region again. What are your thoughts on the uh, Atlanta Hawks? I think they're loaded with depth everywhere. I just really, really like what they have. The problem is, how are you going to pay them all in two, three years? Yeah, I think they have too much too much depth. So, I mean, they could be a team that takes the biggest decline also simply because, you know, you, you got your point guard spot solidified with Trey Young, but your wing spots, I mean, between Bogdanovich, Herter, um, Cam Reddish, and Hunter, who didn't even play in the playoffs last year, you have a lot of miles to feed. You have guys that are going to be fighting for contracts. Um, and then even at center, I like Okongu a lot. I think Okongu could start for some teams, and he's not going to be the, the starter there. Then they drafted two guys that are going to be really good that aren't going to get playing time. Now, I will say I think Atlanta is in position to where if Bradley Bill decides that he is fed up with Washington, I think Atlanta has the best trade pieces and the Agreed. best package to to make things work there. So. But I have them at number four. I think they're going to be good. But then again, they could take a step back also because now they actually have expectations. Like last year, they kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and they, they caught Philly at a, at a time where they were going through some turmoil with Ben. Um, but they were competitive. I mean, Trey Young, he, his competitive fire and his just confidence is, is I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> to, I mean, he had Ben Simmons scared. Ben Simmons was scared to shoot a layup over 180-pound Trey Young. So, um, but, yeah, I got the Hawks at number four. Who do you have at number three? Maybe we flip-flopped again. 
At number three, I have the Miami Heat. We flip-flopped again. So. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I, I have Miami. I think they're going to be tough. I think they're um, – I mean, they're just – I mean, they're, they're a team of <laughs> junkyard dogs and scrappy players. It just depends if – I mean, if they get Oladipo, if they get anything out of him, I think that's going to be big. If Hero Robinson, Duncan Robinson – can play like they played in the bubble, then Miami would be dangerous. I like the addition of PJ Tucker. I don't know if you saw, like they had the ESPN anonymous scouts. They, I, I agree that I like Dragic a lot. I think Lowry is the better player, um, but I like the Dragic fit probably a little bit better. I think Lowry's going to make a difference defensively. He kind of fits in with with that style. I don't know if it's the upgrade that a lot of people think it is, but I think the biggest the, the biggest difference, Miami should be healthier this year. Adding P.J. Tucker, I think it's going to make a, a difference. I mean, you got a guy that's going to be able to hound, uh, you know, whether it's Durant or Harden or Giannis, and then you can actually put Butler on him or then you put Bam. I mean, it just gives you three strong physical defenders that you can – that you can put on another team's best player. And I think even like with Bam on switches, you, it's going to be hard to attack Miami, uh, you know, as far as like in the post or pick and roll. So I think they're going to be tough. I, I just don't know if they have enough firepower. I agree with you on all your assessments on there. I think they are number four for me, but I don't think they're far behind Atlanta. I think between those two, you can pretty much toss a coin. You're going to end up either which way. I think that both are in a state where they're looking up at both Milwaukee and and Brooklyn because obviously that's who we have left. But again, I think it's a point where Miami, if things fall the right way, you know, watch out for them in the playoffs. I think it's something a team with Kyle Lowry. You said he's a, a good addition, but he may not be as great as everybody's talking about because I know that a lot of people are really in love with the acquisition of Kyle Lowry to the Miami Heat. I know he's somebody that would have really clicked with the Lakers, and we talked about that during the trade deadline. But Kyle Lowry, I think, is going to be a good as long as he stays healthy in there. I think the team, though, overall, I think they're just short of of, of that number one and number two spot for me. And so I, I put them right around the Atlanta Hawks and in that area, and I think Atlanta gets a slight edge for me as a number three seed. But I don't see that Miami far behind at number four, and I think they could be very competitive. And in a matchup, with New York, with Brooklyn or Milwaukee, I think they can fare a lot better than they did the previous season. Yeah. Uh, and especially with Bram out of Bios growth. I really think a lot, the team has to center itself around Bam. If they do, I think that the team will be going places. You're right about Hero and Robinson. I think this is their time that they need to produce. Robinson got a contract. Hero needs to go ahead and, and recenter himself after great in the bubble, but not great last season. So, We'll see what happens there. But I, I agree with you that we're seeing Atlanta and Miami right around just just looking up at the top two, but they're both very competitive, and I see them as, as teams that people shouldn't, uh, shouldn't just dissuade or count out because I think both those teams are very good. But number two, we're down to the top two, and it is between Brooklyn and Milwaukee. So who do you have at the top of the conference at number one, well, actually, what's going to be, who do you have at number two? Because that obviously go ahead and, and open up for your number one team as well. At number two, I have the Milwaukee Bucks. 
Okay. Looks like we're flip-flopping. Yeah, I think losing P.J. Tucker is going to hurt them just defensively. I mean, Tucker, I mean, he he brought something to the table defensively. That's gonna be I think that may be worse defensively, but they probably got a little bit more offense with Grayson Allen and Rodney Hood. Um Portis is, is probably gonna come in and be their starter. I think they added someone else that I, I can't remember. I thought it was an underrated move. But I think that um yeah, I mean I, I think that they're gonna be good. Giannis shot looks a little a little different, but I think I think it's gonna be a situation where they're going to have a little bit of a hangover. Not Giannis. Giannis won't have a hangover. But uh, I think that Brooklyn, even with Harden and and Durant, without Kyrie, I think they're still going to be really good. Or do you, really well, good. With, for me, I have them Brooklyn as number two only because of the fact that I think that between maybe a little bit of injury bug here or there or rest is pretty, pretty much what it's going to come down to me, especially if Kyrie does not come back to the lineup. I think that just record wise, they're not going to go ahead and put the, uh, you know, the pedal to the metal, so to speak. Milwaukee, we've seen already during the regular seasons in previous times that they've decided to go ahead and win 60 plus games and wanted to go ahead and, and have a great regular season. I think that Milwaukee, you're right, the P.J. Tucker loss will hurt, but I think it will hurt more in the playoffs as far as matchups are concerned there. I really think, though, that during the course of the season, though, that they're going to try and have this, okay, we won the championship, it wasn't a fluke. You know, I don't. We don't want to hear your excuses about the injuries to the other teams. We think we have a good team, so we're going to go ahead and try and win 60-plus games. So I think Milwaukee has got to, you know, at least during the regular season, is going to be the team that's going to come out on top. Just because I think Brooklyn, as long as this Kyrie situation is still like it is, is going to be something where they're going to measure what games or how many games that KD and Harden are going to play. So I think KD and Harden are, are a great combination. I still think that Brooklyn's going to be an extremely good team. In fact, as the betting favorites, you might still want to make them the betting favorites, even without Kyrie Irving. So this actually leads me into the question in regards to Kyrie Irving. Do you think he comes back this season? Uh, no. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> but one thing that you mentioned I wanted to to talk about with the Bucks is that Bud is from the Spurs tree. So remember years past, the Bucks would have nobody playing 30 minutes per game. So I mm-hmm. think that by them winning a championship, I wouldn't be surprised if they're the team that, I mean, they're going to play, but I imagine like you're going to see a decline in, in the minutes for guys like Lopez, um, Holiday, some of those guys. I think you're going to, they're going to start playing some of the younger guys uh, a little bit more. So uh, that like, they, they may not come out the gate running with 60 wins like they have before because they don't really have to prove it now. They're just going to try to maintain and, and be good for the playoffs. While, um, yeah, I mean, as far as Kyrie, if there's one guy who I believe would not buckle <laughs> on his beliefs, it's Kyrie Irving. I mean, he's going to lose, what, they said $16 million this year, then they're not going to. Um, renegotiated extension for $168 million. Now, it could change. If he does decide to change his mind and he 
you know, 50, 40, 90 on 25 points per game, then I'm sure they'll think about doing an extension. But yeah, if, if there's if there's one guy who I say, oh, okay, I don't think he's going to buckle, it's it's Kyrie Irving. If he does come back, though, that to me changes the perspective. And I think that I, Brooklyn would go ahead and have enough talent to, without a doubt, be the number one team in the Eastern Conference. Well, I mean, if you look at last year, those guys barely clicked and played together. Yeah. They had no training camp. <laughs> They had no time together. They just kind of put it together on the fly. I don't know how many games they played, but it wasn't a lot where they played together, and they were still pretty, really good. So, yeah. I mean, they're good with just two of those guys. I mean, last year they were three games out. No, they were one game out of first place. Good point. Very good with, point. So. Like I said, no training camp. Durant missed time. Harden was injured for like the first time in his career, and Kyrie was whatever distraction that he caused. And so now I think that this year now, by them coming out and taking their stand against Kyrie's stand, I think that helps them out. I think they're going to be focused, and um, I, I think they're hungry. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, Harden doesn't rest. That's one thing Harden hasn't really done in the past is rest. And so I don't know if KD would do any resting, healthy resting either. Uh, you're kind of talking me into it. I think I have to go I, – I... I think after consideration, strong consideration, and, and those awesome words right there, I think I'm going to have to agree with you on that. I think I'm I'm doing a flip-flop on this show. So how many flip-flops can we do? I think I'm going to go, like you said, I'm going to agree, agree with you. I think I'm going to sneak Brooklyn ahead of Milwaukee, although it would be much more definitive with Kyrie Irving because I think without a doubt that you know they would be the top of the Eastern Conference. But even without Kyrie, you're right. They've got such talent there that I think that, if they stay healthy, the big two, I think it, it could be a, a definite run. And you're right. Yeah, you know, when you have James Harden not missing games, KD, will, you know, if he plays 70 plus games, then uh, it definitely could be a season where they're going to win 60, 65 games. And that could be something that a lot of people are really expecting out of this team because they are the heavy betting favorites. But before we get to the playoffs and the finals, we got to go through the Western Conference. Once again, it's the Lakers fast break along with my good friend, Mr. Rafael Barlow, the host behind the NBA, excuse me, the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. You got to go ahead and check his channel with not only his shows Monday and Thursday, but the entire channel. They've got shows running every single day of the week outside of Friday. So you want to go ahead and check that out. The Locked On NBA Draft podcast. We're going to hit up the Western Conference right now. Who, Although I have a feeling I know who it is. Who is your number 15 team? The Oklahoma City Thunder. What a shock. Same here. And I'm on record. I do not like what they're doing. It's it's bad. I mean, it's bad for the league. It's it's not getting the same attention as Philly got. I mean, this might be even worse. The process 2.0. Yeah. And did the process work for Philly? I mean, yes, they ended up with the number one seed last year. But... <laughs> only two of their prospects hit yeah yeah and i mean they could have had tatum yep. they traded Fultz for tatum in a sense and is the thunder going to get it in bead out of this situation i don't i don't know i mean eventually they're going to have to get rid of some of their picks i mean they can't bring in i mean i don't know it's they like have more picks than the actual spots on the team 
Yeah. And I mean, it's going to, whoever they draft is always going to be a lot of redundancy. I mean, you look at this year, they, they drafted a point guard last year. Their best player is a point guard. And then they draft two more point guards and yep. Trey Mann and Josh Giddy. I think Josh Giddy's going to be really good. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people and they, they're giving him the freedom. Uh, but yeah, I just don't know their direction. I think they're just hoping to hit on Banchero or Chet Holmgren or Wimbayama in a couple of years. And they're hoping that they have their cornerstones, but it's going to be some really, really bad basketball. And then I think if guys start playing well, then, you know, whatever veteran they're going to have, they're going to have him injured with, with you know, whatever. So I think they're going to be bad. And I think Houston is going to be pretty bad, too. I just don't think Houston will be as bad as, as the Thunder. But Houston might have more incentive to be because they don't, you know, they really want to hit on the, on the pick. And I, I'm not for sure if I'd have to look it up, but I don't know if, like, the pick that they thought that they owed the Thunder from the Westbrook trade. I don't know if that ends up coming back to, to bite them at a later time or not. So, but yeah, I mean, those two teams are easily the worst two teams in the conference, which ironically they met in the playoffs in the bubble. Yeah, exactly. And see what one year later has done for both these teams. I agree with you. Houston Rockets are number my number 14 team as well. Oklahoma City. I love Pokashevsky, and it's so funny because I think he's going to be having a, a good season, a breakout season after such a rough start as a rookie. But he's coming off the bench for them, but he's a gunner. And I, I love the fact that he's going to be able to get the opportunity in the minutes, at least in, in right now, before they draft 100 players on that team ahead of him. And I think with Houston, the fact that there's going to be a lot of time for Alperin Shangun, so be prepared, everybody out there, for a ton of Alpern Shagoon for rookie of the year time. And then you got Jalen. You think Green. so? I don't know. Cause I think I they're going to play Tyson. He's going to be a fan favorite. So you're going to hear a lot of that talk every time you see like a, a good play from him. Although I think his teammate Jalen Green is my favorite right now for rookie of the year. I really think he, he's a, he's going to be special. I really think he's going to yeah. be good. And I also think Houston is really going to try to put him in the best position to be rookie of the year because yeah. he's going to be really marketable. You know, he's a good looking guy has, you know, this flash and flair to his game. And, you know, they lost Harden. Harden was a fan favorite. Harden was a guy that filled up the seats. He, you know, he put butts in seats. And so I think they're going to really try to push for Jalen green to be that guy and sell fans and sponsors on, the future. So, you know, for if he puts up 22 a game as a rookie, then that's going to, you know, give a lot of people hope that they're headed in the right direction. I agree with you on that. Just uh, players like Christian Wood, who may not stay on the team because he might be another guy that gets traded off that team. I don't know what they're going to do with Eric Gordon because he still has like two years left on his contract. Uh, I know that buying him out may be too pricey of a prospect, but we may see on that if he, he gets moved because he has a pretty pricey contract right now. Although he's someone that I think other teams covet. So we'll see what happens there. But you're right. Houston, John, and Wall. John Wall. Yeah. His status where he's right now at home or maybe on the facility training, but he's not playing in any games. So we'll see what happens there. But Houston, Oklahoma City, I think they'll be fighting for the last space uh, as far as the Western Conference is concerned. And 
fighting for that top pick indeed at the lottery. So who do you have at number 13? San Antonio Spurs. Wow, we're three for three on the Western Conference, my friend. There you go. What you got on the San Antonio Spurs? They have no direction. (laughs) (laughs) And they're not trying to tank. They're trying to be competitive, but I don't know who their go-to scorer is. I don't know who they run the offense through. I don't know. Um, Keldon Johnson has to really, really break out, I think. Yeah, he he definitely does. But, I mean, like, is he going to be the breakout guy where he's the – the number one option? I don't I don't yeah. know. I mean, but you know, it could be a situation where Pop has he 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 has a roster where there's nobody that is featured. Everybody's kind of like the same. <laughs> and San Antonio could be competitive in, in, in that aspect. I wouldn't be too stunned if that happens to where they have like this equal opportunity offense where they're, you know, actually somewhat decent where you have like four or five guys averaging sixteen points a game. Um, which, you know, would do well. It could possibly do well in, in the regular season, but it would be awful in, in the playoffs. Um, I forgot. Isn't that kind of like how Atlanta was the year they won 60 games where they still had a bunch of guys? I mean, they didn't have a, like a traditional go-to score in a sense. Yeah. I mean, who, who was there? I mean, was there Horford? They had four all-stars, but they weren't like four superstar players. They it was like, like Al- Millsap, Millsap, Horford. Yeah, so – I mean, I, I wouldn't be stunned to see uh, San Antonio have like a scaled down version of that where they can be pretty competitive. But I mean, just on paper, the teams, every team <laughs> above them has a lot more talent. And so I think this is the year where we'll see if Pop is deserving of this genius coaching label that he's been, that he's had over the last few years. I agree with you. This is a team that on the surface doesn't look that talented and or nothing really stands out and should be a team that maybe should be focused on trying to garner a high lottery slot. But with Popovich on the team, he's going to try with the fact that he doesn't have many years left as far as a coach is concerned. He is probably going to try and do what he can to see if he can maximize every win. So to me, I think Vegas has them right around the 28-29 win range, and that's what I see them doing, maybe a little bit higher, 30 to 33. But, again, that's not the best thing you want to do for the Spurs because right now I think their team needs a lot of talent, a lot of talent that stands out, and unfortunately they don't have it right now. So right. that's kind of – yeah, just it just doesn't have that – You know, again, it goes back to what we were talking about before in the Eastern Conference where you have a team that has a lot of nice guys in there but there are a lot of complimentary players all on the same team and just don't have that standout player. But who do you have at number 12, my friend? The Sacramento Kings. Ooh, here we have some difference. You're going to be surprised where I have them, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the teams that are ahead of them. I think that they have to figure out their guard rotation. If Bagley lives up to the hype, then maybe they can be a lot better. But I think that Bagley's best position might be a five, even though you know he doesn't necessarily protect the rim. I think Harrison Barnes is a four in today's NBA, but they're going to figure out a way to start both of them. I love Davian Mitchell. I think he's he's going to be big, but that's just a a 
a weird situation with their best. Laker arguably. Tom is in love with him already. Just want to let you yeah. know. Yeah. He's, he, he, he's, got, he's got the skills. I agree with you. Yeah. And, and so, um, I mean, you can make a case and say their three or two, their two most valuable assets are Fox and Halliburton and their point guards. And then you bring in Mitchell. Um, then you got yeah. healed. You got, you got Buddy Hill. So, yeah, I think they have a lot of talent. Well, I shouldn't say a lot of talent, but they have some interesting pieces. Um, but it's just can can they make them all fit? And then I think the reason why Luke Walton is still the head coach is because what I've heard is that the owner doesn't want to pay two coaches. That's, he'll, he'll wait that's, until Luke's contract. That's what I surmised, yeah. Yeah, and then um, – Although if they get off to a bad start, he gets fired right away. I think they pull the trigger quickly. Yeah, uh, I think he has two more years left on his deal. I thought He's, this was last year. I think he signed an extension. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I think he signed an extension. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think last year with Fox being hurt, that, that kind of bought him some time also. What are the expectations in Sacramento? I don't know. We'll I think that they're going to get into the plan. I really do. I see them as my number nine team. I just think they have a lot of talent there. Uh, defensively, there's still a lot of issues when they were statistically the worst defensive team of all time, like they were last year. But I think they've done enough to be maybe just a little bit less embarrassing on the defensive end. But they've got so much talent at the guard rotations right there for you. I mean, if they play three of those guards at a time and play a three-guard setup, they're they're really, really, really good at the, you know with those four guards that they have there. And I really think that they can get by. And I think that the least they'll get to a play, a play in situation where they'll give Sacramento the closest taste that they've had to the playoffs since the mid two thousands. Yeah. Now I will say that at one point last year, they were competitive. They looked like they were heading in the right direction. Then Fox got hurt. So um, I I could see, uh, I could see the positivity you know, or reasons to be optimistic. I really like Fox. I think he's going to be a, 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 an even better player this year. So I think he might even sneak in as an all-star. So we'll see what happens there. But my number 12 team is a team that I think is on the rise, even though they had some chaos in the front office this past month. And that's the Minnesota Timberwolves. Where do you have the Minnesota Timberwolves right now? I have them at 10. Okay. Yeah, I have them at 10. I mean, they're, on paper, they look they look pretty good. Um, <laughs> I just don't – I think they'll be competitive. I mean, they finished this last season pretty strong once they made the coaching change. And then Cat um, and, and uh, Russell and, and Edwards played together. I think it kind of cost them in a sense because they – I think they lost their pick, right? Yeah. Yeah, if they would have – yeah, if they would have – not been good at that last stretch. I think they ended up like 500 in their last 12 games or something like that. Then they would have been able to keep their pick. So, um, yeah, I think they're heading the right direction. But then again, if you look at it, they're heading the right direction, but they could also end up in the same spot they were last year, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, it just depends. Like, who's their their closer? I mean, I know in theory you would, you would think it's Cat. Um, and then I, I wonder how it affects, how it affects their roster, especially if 
if they're the, the team that's most talked about in Ben Simmons trades. And I mean, you got to figure Malik Beasley, it would be in that, in that deal. And then, you know, you got to wonder who else would be in the, in that package. So, um, but yeah, I have them at number 10. I have them over the Pelicans just because it doesn't look like Zion is going to be playing anytime soon. The only thing with that is I, I don't know who's going to defend for their team with Minnesota. So that's why I have them at number 12. I just think that, you know, we talked about Sacramento and the statistically worst defense. I think that Minnesota is going to even have a harder time this year trying to defend on that side of the ball, especially with Cat and, and Russell and, and Edwards, who are not known defenders. So we'll see what happens. I really like where they're going. I, I really do. I think they are headed on the upswing. And I would not be surprised if they do fall into a number 10 spot or or right around there. So I agree with you that they're, the things are looking up there. Hopefully they can get things centered now because the front office fiasco seems to have died down after they got rid of Rojas and they've, they've got the guy who invented the trade machine there now working, mm-hmm. the, working the strings. And I made the joke on the other previous uh, Lakers Fast Break podcast that he probably calls up whatever GM, but first he looks at the, his own trade machine to make sure the trade works. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see what happens there. Who do you have at number 11, my friend? Oh, I have the Pelicans. Yeah, same here. I've got them at number 11. Yeah, I mean, Zion's... I mean, if it's like... If he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks, that means he's probably not going to play for another two weeks after that, which means he's probably really, really, really out of shape once he's cleared. We don't know when he injured his foot or broke his foot or whatever. So let's say it was late summer, midsummer, either way, he looked big. I don't I don't know if you saw like people had these comparison photos from him at Media Day last year and this year. I have seen, yes. Yeah, and I saw he was at a USC game, and he looked pretty big. Yeah, <laughs> so if this is your your star player, yeah, so I don't – man, I, I'm such a – Let me fan. ask you this. Is it going to be a problem for him going forward if he can't get his weight down? I think the injuries are going to continue to pile up. I don't know how much he can get his weight down. I think that's just his natural build. I mean, I think he's done a, a, a better job of not – at least last year I felt like he started to show like he has a ground game where yeah. he wasn't using all his explosiveness. He wasn't – you know, I have a friend that, you know, he was – I mean, not on Zion's level, but he was a guy that made it to the NBA just based off of dunking everything around the rim. He was an undersized four, and then he had told me he was like, it's the landing part. He's like, you know, when you're undersized and you're trying to power and – dunk everything around the rim and your your role is to be this this tough physical presence he was like the landing takes a toll so i think for zion you know his weight and the fact that you know him landing and all that weight is is, is going to be tough on his joints but i just don't know how much weight he can lose i mean i just think that is his his body type that's going to be tough to see him continue to have these type of issues if he can't get that down because like you said, it's the landing, it's the force, it's the stress on the joints. And I'm just hoping that he will find good health and continuous good health because he can become someone that can be, as the NBA is hoping and trying to 
put him as a center of their their marketing, their advertising, as someone that they can go ahead and rally around. The rest of the team, uh, I mean, we've talked about before, you, you know, it's got the talent, but you know, I think with the guard positions, I think it's 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 not strengthening itself. I think losing ball hurt them, is going to hurt them. I think that if they do have another low out of the playoff seating, that we could see David Griffin be exited out of there. I mean, it just to me, it seems like it's a team that is when we look at it or when we look back upon it, could have done so much more, but ultimately did. Well, here's something that I, it's going to be an unpopular opinion, especially in Lakerland. Dale Demps was fired because he didn't like the deal, the Anthony Davis to the Lakers deal. He didn't like it. He thought that there were better options out there and he didn't want to be bullied by Rich Paul. And I, I, and, and so they ended up obviously getting the Lakers guys. You got Brandon Ingram. You got Lonzo Ball, who's gone, and Josh Hart. And to be honest with you, those guys didn't win in L.A. either, and they haven't won in, in, in New Orleans. So Griffin got the job because obviously he was going to make the deal, and he it looks like he's going to end up being fired. Um, I also think Zion is hard to build around, to be honest with you. I think even if he's 100% healthy, He's going to be an interesting guy to build around. I've mentioned it before on this podcast that he's a five, but he doesn't rebound like a five, and he doesn't defend or you know anchor the defense. So you have to pair him with a five that is a floor spacer that can defend, protect the rim, and shoot threes. There's not many of those guys around. So whoever, so whoever, sorry, so whoever. Zion plays with at the five, unless they're a floor spacer, they're going to be in the paint, which even though last year he played with uh, Steven Adams and he put up like crazy numbers on crazy efficiency, I think that he's best with a, a floor spacer. And then, like I said, defensively, I mean, he's a guy that you can just kind of put in pick and rolls because there's concerns about his conditioning. So um, even I like Devontae Graham. I think that he's going to be an upgrade over Lonzo, maybe not defensively. I think he's going to be a – I think he's – I just think he's an upgrade, but you have another guard that doesn't put pressure on the rim. Yeah. So he's going to be a better scorer. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I I have some concerns about the Pelicans. You and I both, my friend. You and I both. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Once again, this is the Lakers Fast Break. It's our NBA season preview along with Rafael Barlow from the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Please, if you want to go ahead and get up to speed on everything NBA Draft, there's no better channel to check out than the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. My friend, we're up to, what, number 10? No, actually, number 9. Uh, yeah, no, in the 9-10 range. Who do you have at number 10 the Western Conference? This is where it got tough. This is where it got tough. I have the Clippers at number 9. Oh, wow. Who did you have at number 10? The Wolves. Okay. Yeah. Had the Wolves, but yeah, I had the Clippers at number nine. 
they should be better, but I'm just looking at, I mean, of course, health is going to play a role in everything. And with Kawhi um, being out the, you know, a good yeah. portion of the year. Yep. So, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, if it's the Kawhi that we all have known in the past, he's going to play it really, really safe. And he has the contract where he can't play it safe. So I don't expect him to play this year. I guess Reggie Jackson is going to be their number two option. Well, but, after he already played in playoffs, do you think he can sustain that type of play? Well, I think it also depends. Are they going to bring him off the bench? Are they going to start Bledsoe and have Jackson just kind of be the man on the second unit? I, I don't – I'm not sure who their, who their second option is going to be. It's so funny. Bledsoe just – he he gets that amount of love starting wherever he goes, then just finds play or plays his way out of every situation like that, seemingly. So got a feel for the kid, but you know what? He keeps finding a home wherever he goes, and he's back at the Clippers. I put them as my number eight seed. Number nine for me was Sacramento. So I think Sacramento is going to be a team that I think is on the up and could possibly sneak into the playoffs. We'll wait and see. But number eight for me is going to be the Clippers. So who is your number eight seed on that? Because the Clippers, like you said, I think they've got a lot of valuable options. But the thing is, without Kawhi, it really doesn't click to the level that it should. Next year, I think they're going to be a favorite and the top of the Western Conference or or near the top of the Western Conference with Kawhi and Paul George making one last run. But for right now, it's going to be very hard for me to see them get, you know, with the type of lineup we see above them any higher than maybe seven or eight. So I'm putting them at number eight right now, but who do you have as your number eight seed? Dallas Mavs. Yeah. I mean, I think at, at this point, eight through five could be interchangeable. I think yeah. there's only going to be a game or two to separate them. I would like Dallas to be better. I just don't know about Jason Kidd as a coach. <laughs> you and pretty much every other analyst that's out there. Yeah, I think they're going to shoot less threes. I mean, I went to the first game and they were, I mean, I think they're going to make an effort to, you know, make Porzingis uh, a better player. And Porzingis had a good year last year. It just, you know, and just in the playoffs, he didn't have a strong playoffs. But, I mean, I just, it was weird to me seeing them not shoot as many threes and also looking for Willie Cauley-Stein in the post. I saw, like, plays where, Kali Stein, Moses Brown were were getting post touches. And Kid reminds me of an old school coach that is going to try to play 2000s basketball, the era where he was, was uh, you know, he's dominant. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Like I said, it's all just going to depend on if they can get the same Porzingis they had in the playoffs or the same Porzingis they had in the regular season in the playoffs. But I mean, I the reason I, I say is because if you got a healthy Grizzlies team who I have at number seven, I think Memphis can be really, really good with a healthy Jaron Jackson Jr., which is you know <laughs> something that we haven't really seen. I think I'm not Ja. Counting on it. I, I mean, that's why I put them at number ten for me because I really don't think that it's it's just going to be Jaw against the world, and for me, that's a that's a hard thing to ask. Well, but I mean, they've overachieved. I mean, like on paper, like if you look at their roster on paper, they're not going to look good. But last year they were. Well, even the front office made transactions and moves this offseason. Like they were sending the message that they don't even have confidence in their team. Yeah, the Jonas V 
thing I thought was 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 pretty interesting. Um, they swung for the fences it's on on Zaire Williams at, at number ten. I think Desmond Bain is going to be better this year. Not really uh, sure about Culver, but I, I think that um, I think Morant is going to make another jump this year. I think that he is. Really <laughs> I think this is the year that he makes that that special jump. So that's that's what I'm going for. That that's what I'm banking on. There you go, and that's going to be your number seventeen. Yep, I have the Grizzlies at number seven. Okay. Uh, for me at number seven, it's something that you're very familiar with, and we talked us already about in the offseason already on our last time I think you were on it, and that's the Portland Trailblazers. So I think that, again, it's going to be a team where number five through eight, I think you hit it right in the head. There might be a one or two game separation between teams five through eight, and yep. all those teams can do some damage in the playoffs. With Portland, obviously, you have everything going on there, you know, with with Damian and and CJ, and and they just have a nice lineup that's there, that's been there. But I think if you don't see the early returns or even the midseason returns, I think the the thought and prospect of maybe moving a CJ, a moving a Nurkic, moving moving some piece of that that familiar five that you have. I think might be in order if you don't see the kind of returns that, that if they're all healthy for once that they can bring. Yeah. I mean, I think when Portland has been healthy, they've been good. The problem is they haven't been healthy. So going into the start of the season, I think they should be healthy. I like what kind of underrated moves. I like what they did with Nance. I like um, the fact that, you know, they got some athleticism there um, Zeller, I think it's going to be a solid big as far as just adding more athleticism, even though like people don't think of him being athletic, but he's someone that nobody saw because he spent his entire career in Charlotte. Yeah, I mean, I think that another year of Norm Powell could be their third option. If he can average like 18, 19 points per game, if they can get Ant Simons to step up. Uh, but I, I just like the team defensively. I love Cantor. I'm a big Cantor fan, and I like Carmelo. But I, I said all last year, if you know when Neil O'Shea put the team together, you choose one or the other. But you don't have Carmelo and Cantor because if a, they're that's both a on disaster, yeah. And that was that was between Carmelo and Cantor having to play a lot of minutes together with Nurk out, and then CJ missing time. I think. You know, it, it really hurt the Blazers, and unfortunately, it got Stotts fired, which it just wasn't his fault. Like, you know, so adding Nance is an upgrade. So I think Portland should be able to. I have him at number six, and that's not being that's just like, a, that's just one one thing difference, one point yeah. difference, yeah, one, yeah. one slot difference. So yeah, I don't want to make it my my Blazer biased <laughs> being a biased Blazers fan, but you know, just last year. Between what five, six, and seven, they all won the same amount of games. Yeah. So I, I think it can be very similar this year. I agree with you on that. I think if we could see any of the one of those teams five through eight, really just a, a one or two game switch, which could put them in in a different position. But Portland, I think that again, if it goes awry for any reason, injury, which you know, like you said, the team has not been able to stay healthy. A lot of its key players, Nurkic. 
you know, has not been able to stay healthy. Uh, CJ McCollum has not been able to stay healthy. Uh, you know, even Damian for, you know, at points of time has not been able to stay healthy. So we'll see what happens there. But I, I agree with you. If they can stay healthy, they'll be very competitive in the West. I think that Nance is a good addition to the team. And I really think that they've gotten a little bit better defensively. But is that going to be enough to go ahead and get them in that upper echelon? Or will it keep them in that five to eight range? I think right now, from what I see, it'd be that in that five to eight range. Will it be enough, though, to keep Damian Lillard happy? That's the thing. Well, I mean, Damian has to think of it this way. His contract is so big that whatever team that he goes to is going to have to gut their roster in order for him to fit. So what situation will he go to a team that is going to be able to come in and compete? So where can he go <laughs> without yeah. – I mean, he's making like 30-something million a year. I think at the end of his contract, it might be like 40 or $50 million a year. So he – you know, it's, it's hard to turn down that type of money. But, you know, when you're making that type of money, in order for you to get to a, a team that you want that's competitive, you're going to end up – I mean, you could end up like Carmelo in New York. He got there. They had to gut the team, and he, he they never really got, they never really did anything with, with him there because they gave up all their pieces. While Denver pretty much was the same um, as the Knicks. So yeah, I mean like Dame this year is making thirty nine million. Next year forty two, forty five the year after that, and then twenty four, twenty five he's going to make forty eight million dollars. Wow. I can't think of a team right now where you can trade him. They could give up pieces other than maybe Philly. And it puts him in a, a, a position where he can win a title. That's a good point indeed. Uh, I really agree with you on that. And you have them at uh, Portland right now at number six. I have Dallas at six, even though, again, you, you have a situation where you have what? five or six individuals that would probably be better suited at the center position because uh, you have like five or six, seven footers on that team. You don't have much in the wings area that's going to help out Luca. I think that they need another addition to that team to really go far in the playoffs. I think that right now they're one or two players short on that assessment uh, to being anywhere near a top level team in the Western conference. I think they're always going to be in that five to eight range unless they make one more move. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head and they're hoping that a coaching change, you know, puts them in a better spot. I mean, I just think that last year, I mean, they were, they were so close to, yeah. to beating the Clippers two years in a row. And I think, you know, it's the growing pains. I mean, I think Luca's going through the same growing pains that every other star has went through. You know, you're not going to come in in your first year or second year and make it to the second round in the playoffs in the West as, as the go-to guy. And then, like I said, I mean, I guess if kid can make a difference and you get a healthy Porzingis, which Porzingis was pretty bad on defense last year. But if he, he I mean, he's coming into the season healthy, so that could be the difference. But, you know, I, I, I don't see them making a big jump and bypassing some of the other teams that are that are ahead of them. Who do you have at number five, my friend? Uh, because now it gets into the top, uh, I guess the 
the top part of the Western Conference, for me, it's going to be Denver. Yeah. And only because of the fact that because of the injury Jamal Murray, I think this time next season, when we're talking about the NBA season preview, we talked already about how L.A. with Kawhi will be a substantially better team. I think the same can be said for Denver. I think they're a team that you still have to look out for in the playoffs. But I think without Murray right now in the front end, it's going to be some, you know, some hit this and that. I just think that once they get Murray, I think as it gets closer to the start of the playoffs, I think they're a team to watch out for. Yeah, so I have Denver at number number five also, and that's just largely due to them not having Murray. But they're going to be dangerous because it looks like they got a good one in Bones Highland. And yeah. and once Highland and – I mean, he's been looking good in the preseason. It is preseason, but he's looked good in the summer league. And that's just going to give them another – another weapon once they're once they're healthy so um but yeah i have them at number five also denver's done such a great job in the draft these past uh, what five six years and they've really done a great job as far as scouting and their that end of it and player development so i for two agree teams with you. for the jazz too exactly so because go bear and donovan mitchell were drafted by denver <laughs> so <laughs> exactly so i mean it's just something that uh, they're they have a very good eye on. In fact, well, Nurkic was also a Denver player at one time. So yeah. there you go. They had to make a decision on Jokic and Nurkic, and they made the choice to keep Jokic. So not bad. We're, we're, not, not a bad decision. No, not a bad decision <laughs> at all. I mean, both are very good players, but obviously keeping Jokic and the fact that he's the reigning MVP is, speaks for itself. But Denver, I think, is just waiting for Murray, and I think. At the end of the season, I think we're going to be talking a lot about how they can go pretty far in the playoffs once again. So I really am, am excited to see once Murray gets back to see how good they can gel. Because but when and when they when he left, when he got the injury, they were really good once they got Gordon as a as a fourth option. Yeah. And he didn't really have a strong playoff also. Yeah. So I agree. We're, we're on the same page there. There you go. I like being on the same page with my good friend, Mr. Rafael Barlow from the Lockdown NBA Draft Podcast. Who do you have at number four? The Warriors. Same here. Yeah. Same here. I have the Warriors at number four. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is tough because I think they're going to be more dangerous in the playoffs. I think they're going to play it safe with Clay. I think he's probably going to play. 50, 60 games, even though I think he may want to come out there and play a lot. But, um, yeah, I think they're going to play like – he's not going to play a whole bunch of games. I think the rotation is going to be a little up and down. And they're just going just going to con- try to maintain until they get to the playoffs. And then I think they're going to be really, really dangerous. Agreed. Very much agreed. I think they will be someone to be feared in the playoffs – and I think once they get Clay Thompson back and once he starts to gel the team, but again, situation with Denver, same thing. Once Murray comes back, they're going to be really dangerous towards the end of the season. And same thing with Golden State. Once Thompson comes back, maybe, like you said, it's going to be a slow process. But by the end of the season, if he is looking anywhere near the Clay of old, could be a, a lot of people out there looking at the Warriors as a team that they think will go to the NBA Finals. So watch out for them at number four. Who do you have at number three? The L.A. Lakers. Oh, Yeah, 
I got the Lakers at number three. Let me go on the record and say this. I do not like the Lakers moves this offseason. Okay. They were they were good last year. They were the number one seed. Guys got hurt and they just reshuffled the whole deck. If Braun and AD don't get hurt, they are I mean, no telling what happened to them. I just think that, you know, the team is built around those guys. And then once those guys didn't play and then others didn't play well, <laughs> I just think they hit the panic button. Not a fan of, of the Westbrook trade or, or signing. I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm co- it's coming from me as somebody that is not a Lakers fan. But I felt like last year they were playing really good basketball. And if I'm not mistaken, they were the number one seed, right? Well, they were number one seed when well, – actually, they were just out of the number one seed when AD got hurt the first time. So uh, – and they, then it fell apart from there. And they were playing well. Without AD, you know, he looked like he was still having a championship hangover. Yeah. So I think eventually he would have been able to – he would have been able to ramp it back up. I, I thought last year's roster was fine. I, I thought they they panicked – and they went for names and talent over the best pieces. I thought the Buddy Hill trade that was proposed was a better fit for the Lakers than than Westbrook. Um, I think they still have enough to get by to get third seed. But I think also, I you know, it wouldn't surprise me also as if they get off to well, I want to say get off to a slow start, but their schedule is usually pretty favorable at the beginning of the year this time around but Westbrook teams the past few years and Washington and Houston have got off to slow starts because the players have had hard time adjusting to him and then as the season goes on the coach just decides okay we're gonna let you just do what you do Russ and then they start winning games just off of you know his competitive fire and his you know just everything that he brings to the table but this team I don't think that's going to work (laughs) For the first time, he's going to have to really adjust. And then I, I you know, it's it's weird for me because we saw how the Lakers defended him in the bubble, yeah. <laughs> and now he's he's on the team. So, um, yeah, I still think they'll finish third. With me, I think the Lakers will win fifty five to 50, fifty five to sixty games. I think that uh, right now, I think the Lakers. We'll probably finish second in the Western Conference simply because of the fact that they're going to rest LeBron and AD at some point in time enough games to where they're probably not going to win as many as they should. I think that, again, it's 55 to 60 wins for me. I have Phoenix at number three. I think that Phoenix is going to take a, a tiny step back, but they still got a team that's capable of doing many things in the playoffs. But I think that Right now, a lot of teams were going to be more wary of, of how to play against Phoenix because they're another team that exceeded expectations last year, similar to what we saw with Atlanta. So I think that they're still going to be very competitive in the Western Conference, but I don't think that anybody is picking them to go all the way as far as in the Western Conference is concerned. I think this is probably right around where they're, they're looking at the Phoenix Suns. I think they have a quality team. They have good depth. I think they've got some nice young players. I think the Aiton situation will get resolved at some point in time, and I think you're going to have to give him the max. I think that's just going to be what what they're going to do. But I really like them as, as a team, but I don't think that they're going to 
surprise anyone this time around. Yeah, I can see that. I still think they'll be good simply because, I mean, Chris Paul is going to make sure that they're good in the regular season. I mean, Booker has another, I mean, he's still going to get better. I mean, they have a good combination of youth and and, and veterans. I still think they're going to be really good because I think that they're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder as if, like, it, it wasn't a fluke. We have something to, to prove. And, um, yeah, Aiden wants to, I think, either he's going to be motivated for a, a new contract. I know he has until, I guess, on Monday yeah. before he gets the, the extension. I mean, it's going to be interesting, but I think Phoenix is going to, to be the number two team. Okay, I, I just think with the, if that's the case, that means the Lakers, if they fall to number three, I just think it's because they're going to be resting or trying a way to take some time off for AD and, and LeBron. AD, you know, he gets those fluke injuries seemingly like, mm-hmm. you know, you and I just go ahead and get things at the store because he seems to always seem to get those like one or two week injuries. But I think if he stays healthy, he could be someone that could be a very outside. You know, he could be a, he could be an outside shot at an MVP. I think if that's the case, if he plays well enough, I think he's motivated this time around to do really good things. So if he stays healthy, I think that him and LeBron could be two of the top five players in the league once again. So we'll see where that happens. But I think the Lakers are one transaction away from really doing some great things this year. I really think that they are still have got one trick left in, up in, in sleeves as far as doing whatever they need to do. I know Russell Westbrook is not my favorite maneuver of the year. I'm just going to say that as well in regards to what you said as far as the transactions that did it. And yeah, they, they found every old all-star that they could get their hands mm-hmm. on. And But I think some of the stuff that they did will work. Westbrook, again, it's going to be like we saw in the preseason. It's going to be feast for famine. He's going to look awful or he's going to look like he's going to take over. If we get the Westbrook at all at the second half of the season that he played for with the Washington Wizards, that could be something really special during the regular season, and they could win more than 60 games. I can see that happening. But are you going to get that Russell Westbrook? That, to me, is the key right there as far as for the regular season. And then how much of a matchup difference is it going to be for the playoffs? Because you know teams are going to go ahead and sag off him, ask, beg him to shoot. And, you know, that whole scenario with Russell Westbrook has been played out. So we'll see what happens there as far as the Lakers are concerned. But I think they will make that one extra maneuver to shore up the back, uh, the perimeter defense a little bit better because right now I think it's very suspect. But I think they're going to make that one maneuver. I think they're going to trade THT. I think that they signed him to that 10 around $10 million deal. That's just good enough to get a player that might help them now instead of waiting for THT to develop. Yeah. I can't see them trading THT. I, I, I can't, I don't think they'll make the same mistake twice. They, they should have traded him for, for Lowry in the, in the trade uh, at the trade deadline. And uh, they're probably going to have to do it here. Yeah. I just, I think that, I, I mean, I, I just think with the the whole connections to Clutch, <laughs> you think that Clutch overrides all in Lakers, and you're not alone in that assessment. Yeah, I mean, I I think that LeBron is ultimately the decision maker, in, in a sense, and so, um, I mean, I think if if LeBron's not in the picture, then Buddy Hill 
goes. But when Russ says, you know, he wants to <laughs> come, then I, I think that, uh, you know, it, 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 it overrode it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I just can't see it. But then again, I didn't see them get rid of uh, the other two clutch guys for Westbrook also. Well, there you but go. I don't think those guys were happy either. Yeah. Well, we know the stories about Kuzma and his time there. Uh, and, of course, KCP, you know, he, we appreciate everything that he did in the bubble for us. But it's been an up-and-down ride for him as an L.A. Lakers. So I can, I can agree with you on that. So we, we flip-flopped on the two and three. So I think we both have a number one seed in mind. I think they're a very good regular season team, but they're a very questionable team in the playoffs because they have a lot of questions going into the playoffs each and every year and just haven't been able to answer them. But sounds like we have the same team in mind at number one. Yeah. I mean, if they can get Conley and Conley healthy and get him to you know, live up to what they're paying him, then I think they should be good. I mean, this Utah is obviously, Jazz. yeah, Utah Jazz, obviously just a regular season. So, We'll, we'll we'll see, but I, I think Jazz are. I think they're going to be really good. I think they've made some upgrades. They have a backup point guard for the first time in, in years. I think that Jared Butler is going to be really good. Um, Rudy Gay is going to allow them to play some small ball. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like Utah this season. As far as just, do you, just do you think Mitchell season. can actually take that leap into the superstar player? A lot of people hope he can. Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. I mean, I thought he did it last year in the playoffs while he was hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just Conley was didn't play. I mean, I know Rudy is unfairly getting blamed because they're saying that he got ran off the court versus the Clippers. But I'm like, all right, if Mike Conley can't stop dribble penetration and Mitchell is kind of winging it, I mean, you know, Rudy's job is to defend the paint and then he gets out there and he has to contest threes, which some centers wouldn't even go out there to contest. So, um, yeah, I definitely think Mitchell can can make that leap. I think the Utah Jazz are, again they they have a slight home court advantage because of the elevated uh, you know area. I mean, when you have Denver and Utah, you always got to give them more games because they've got those home court advantages. Same thing with Philadelphia. Philadelphia, one of the reasons why I think they'll be as as high as they are is because they're going to get a lot of games at home that they normally sh- maybe might possibly not win. But Utah, I think, is going to not only because they have that home court advantage, I still think that they're a good outside shooting team. They, they shot more threes than anyone. They hit more. They hit at a higher percentage than anyone last year, and that proved during the regular season to be something that was feared. They had that huge point differential. I, I mean, this team is not substantially worse. In fact, some could even argue they're actually a little bit better with Rudy Gay and, like you said, Jared Butler. So I really think that they're going to be the number one regular season team. But I think that still that they're not set up to go ahead for a super long run in the playoffs once again. Just depends on if Mitchell, you know, I think yeah. Mitchell's the or, or Conley. I mean, I think Mitchell's obviously the engine, but if they can get a good version of Michael Conley, which again, they know it was a gamble. They know he was up in age when they, you know, when they acquired him. And so far, their gamble hasn't been able to pay off in the in the playoffs. So, and he struggled his first year, but if if year number three is the year that he starts to look better or he doesn't slow down, but I think this is probably the 
I mean, they have to do something this year. If it's not this year, then I think it can. Uh, you might see some changes as far as the um, the supporting cast. I agree with you on that. Hi, this is Mr. Holiday from the podcast My Worst Holiday, and you're listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. So let me get this straight. We're gonna play a like a video game together, or well, not exactly. Okay, fine. W- where's the controller? Oh, uh, that's it's it's right here. This is literally a sheet of paper. I don't understand what you. Well, here, you're gonna need these two. Dice? You just hand. Are these even dice? We are gonna play Vampire the Masquerade. It's a role-playing game. What kind of vampire do you want to be? Okay, now you're telling me there's more than one kind of vampire. Oh, my friend, you have no idea. There's an Osferatu. There's Vampires and Vitae, an actual play podcast, season two, coming soon to Pop Culture Cosmos. Once again, it is Rafael Barlow from the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Please go ahead and check out his entire channel that he's got there. They run four shows a week at the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast with Rafael himself being on there on Mondays and Thursdays every week for you right there. But before we head on out, my friend, the playoffs going to go ahead and just just give me your conference finalists and, and who's going to be in. Because right now I have the Nets over the Bucks and the Lakers over the Warriors. Who do you have as far as the conference finals and who will go to the NBA Finals? I have Bucks over Nets. Ooh. And I have Warriors over Jazz. Wow. So first let's get into the Bucks over the Nets prediction because you are going against the grain from what most people are talking about there. I mean, we, when we talked about the Eastern Conference, I mentioned the flip-flopping as far as Brooklyn and Milwaukee that you did. You convinced me as far as Brooklyn getting the number one seed, but you have a situation, the playoffs, where you have it kind of flip-flopping and ultimately ending up with the Bucks out on top. I think the Nets, with their talent, will overcome all in regards to the, the Eastern Conference is concerned, but even though you have the Nets on top during the regular season, you have the Bucks coming out on top and going to the NBA Finals. Yeah, maybe it's just because I'm reading Giannis's book. Which <laughs> you got right behind you. I see it, my friend. Yeah, maybe it's because I'm reading Giannis's book. And I'm you just said you're like, about 110 pages in? Yeah, I, I got it a couple of weeks ago. I was in L.A. this week, and so I, I read it on the plane. And just like his determination and his his drive and how far he's come, it's it's almost like this this guy's story is it, it's like I mean it's it's gonna be like one of the greatest success stories of all time and so it's hard to doubt him and just kind of how determined he is and and um, you know I think he's definitely yeah I mean I just think that he's not his game isn't gonna be as visually pleasing as your LeBrons or your, yeah. your KDs or, or or even Harden in a sense. But I mean, I just think his overall will to win—it's similar to Kobe. Like, I don't know if you hear that comparison a lot, but it's just this determination to where it's—it's it's like he has this extra drive in him that—that that is not satisfied. And so I think he's a guy that, you know, he—he's going to come back. His jump shot looks a little bit better this year, and I mean, we saw it in the playoffs this year. I mean, he struggled shooting free throws. 
when it counted, he made, I think, like 15 free throws defensively. I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy that we thought was going to be done for the playoffs, the way he hurt his leg. <laughs> and his just drive and determination was different. And so um, I think from now on, it's going to be hard to bet against him. And, I mean, he still might be underrated in a sense. He's a two-time MVP, and he is a NBA champion. And how old is he? 26? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be hard to root against him because I think that he's uh, – I think that he's he has another level. I mean, he still has some holes in his game. He does. He does. But still – he made a believer out of me in the finals. I used to say, okay, those glaring weaknesses are ultimately going to be his demise, but you know what? He overcame that. And like we talk about the Ben Simmons thing where he just doesn't have enough confidence in certain aspects of his game with Giannis. It's like, okay, so I can't shoot three pointers like Steph Curry. I'm still going to go ahead and do what I need to do. Okay. So I can't shoot free throws like Steph Curry. That's okay. I'm still going to go ahead to the basket with abandon. And it's just, it seems to me that he doesn't care what people think about you know those aspects of his game even though he tries to work on it as best he can he will still go and find a way to get the job done and i agree with you on that day i would not be surprised if that just his sheer will will overcome the nets i just have the nets talent as being just a little bit too much and of course we know last year that we were a different Kevin Durant shoe size away from them going on into the conference finals. So I think that now that they're both with, I'm going to say right now, two of the three, Harden and Durant healthy, if they are going in the playoffs, I think that's just going to be a little bit too much for the Bucks. Just a little yeah. bit. I see that as a slugfest either which way. Yeah, you can definitely make a case and say if Joe Harris could make a shot, then the, yeah. the, the Nets would have And now won. you have Patty Mills there. Right. I think what the Bucks did later on in that series, which I think you're going to see a lot more going forward this year, is Giannis at center. And then once Giannis is at center, then that causes all types of <laughs> matches. Well, that is their best lineup. Like we always talk about here in L.A. about AD at the five. Giannis at the five is their best lineup in Milwaukee. Yeah, especially if you have you know someone at the four that can knock down open shots. Now you got your center that can grab the rebound and – Get and to potentials back, yeah. So I, I like Grayson Allen pickup, and then I think Jordan War. I mean, he's not a big name, but he had a great summer league, and he had a really good Olympics, and he had a strong preseason. So I think he's going to emerge for them this year. I mean, either way, I think it's going to be a, a good series. But I just think like Giannis might be this modern day fairy tale story of this guy that just keeps on winning. And, I mean, he still has so many more areas in his game to improve on. And I I believe with his work ethic, he is going to improve in those areas, and it's going to be scary. I'll tell you what, I'm just going to be excited to see that Bucks nets showdown because I think that it is ultimately going to lead health aside. You know, obviously, if if they stay healthy, I think it's uh, inevitable that those two teams meet in the conference finals. And you have the Bucks, I have the Nets coming out on top. When you talk about the Warriors, it seems like you're really going to be high on the Warriors. You think that sounds like Thompson's going to come back for you and come back strong by the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, Steph is. (laughs) Which I see for me as well, but I see the Lakers just overcoming them in the conference finals. 
Yeah, I just, I mean, I just think the Westbrook situation is going to be very big for the Lakers and in, in, in the playoffs. And what's the saying? A uh, tiger or leopard doesn't change its stripes or whatever or spots. Yeah. I mean, there is that possibility. You are asking Westbrook to change everything about him. You're asking him to be a complimentary player. And I think that, again, the last two seasons and Houston and Washington, they got off to slow starts until the team adjusted to Westbrook. And Houston got rid of their center. <laughs> and they won games. And, you know, they were they played their best basketball that season when they adjusted to Westbrook. Bill adjusted and Harden adjusted. Are the Lakers suited to adjust to Westbrook without great outside shooting? Then again, like I said, I think they're going to make that one move. They still have that one contract. I still think that they're going to move with THT. I think that they are going to go ahead and make that move that will help shore up those spots that I think that people are like you and me are looking at as far as deficiencies. And I think that's going to overcome any type of matchup problems that you might have with Russell Westbrook, which leads us into the NBA finals. All right, my friend, you have the Warriors and the Bucks, and I have the Lakers and the Nets. So I will go with you first, my friend. Who do you have coming out on top as the NBA champion between the Warriors and the Bucks? Mm, I go with the Bucks. You can't stop you on this. Yeah, I'll go with the Bucks. Yeah, again, maybe I'm biased because I'm reading this book. <laughs> so, but right now, I think, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to bet against Giannis. I think he's already had his his area where he had to overcome, you know, in the playoffs. But with Miami, they came out and they slayed them and swept them. And now I just think it's 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 his time. I can't argue with that because he's just such a, a force. The only thing I would say is. I think he needs, like you said, he needs to play more five, but he also needs to play up against those type of individuals. You you talked about PJ Tucker matching up against KD and all that. Why doesn't he play guys like Kevin Durant more? Why does Boonholzer go and said, you're the defensive player of the year. Why don't you would have a matchup against top flight players such as LeBron, such as a Durant more often? Cause I don't see as much of that. In fact, Remember when they were eliminated, I was saying back then when we were talking about it on our playoff shows back then that that he didn't go after Butler. He didn't face up against Butler too much. Why is that continuously the case? Because, I mean, I think that's what fans want to see. You want to see them go heads up. But Giannis. I don't want to say it from a fan purpose. I just think that if you have a defensive player of the year, you would at least spend some time guarding the team's other team's best player. Because he's arguably the best help side defender in the NBA. So if you have Giannis on the weak side with his length, his 7'3 wingspan, you can't make skip passes. You, you can't. You I also can't. think he's a great one-on-one defender too. I mean, he, he is, but when he is on the, when he's playing like the, the help side, you're one bad pass away from him turning that, that, into a steal and then it allows him to get the rebound. The Bucks are at their best when they're in transition. So if yes. he's getting rebounds, then he's turning those rebounds into personal fast breaks. So 
to me, it, it somewhat makes sense. And yeah, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense in it just because they're at their best when he's in transition and getting downhill. And you don't really get a lot of transition opportunities if you're the primary defender. So if Tucker forces Durant to take a tough fadeaway, Giannis can get that rebound and, and two dribbles. It He literally turns missed shots into fast breaks. So yeah. that's why it makes sense to me. Well, I have the Lakers going into the finals against the Brooklyn Nets. You have ultimately, like you said, the Bucks coming out on top over the Warriors. How many games? Seven. I okay. think that I think uh, you know Drew Holiday can play a lot better than he played in the playoffs. He struggled yeah. mightily for the majority of the playoffs, not on defense. Yeah, I just think. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that's just my my choice right now. Well, right now for me, it is the Lakers over the Nets in a very tough seven-game series. I think that the Lakers will make that one move to get them over the top. I still think that that's going to happen. I think it has to happen in order for them to do so because for me it's a – and I'm going to be honest with you, Lakers fans out there, as, as much as I am a Lakers fan and maybe it's the Laker bias coming into play, but I think it's, a, it's going to be the Lakers coming out on top. It's a very shaky – for me, like eh, very right, right now and the way they're at, I think, still think they need one more move and I think they're going to make it. But I think when you have LeBron and AD and a motivated LeBron and AD playing the way I think that they can play like they did in the bubble, I think they are the best one-two combination in the league. I think what we saw in the bubble is better than anything else the NBA can throw out. I, I think it beats Harden and Durant. I think it beats Giannis and Middleton. I just think it's the best one-two punch when they're healthy and when they're clicking, like we saw in the bubble that's out there. Yeah. I mean, just can can the supporting cast give them enough space Agreed. to where they can dominate? I mean, I this is this is just my opinion. I think Vogel's gonna be in this tough situation to where Kendrick Nunn is a better fit on the floor than Westbrook. Does he have the balls to bench Westbrook or limit his minutes? I agree on that as well. You and I are seeing eye to eye on that one because that could be the situation indeed. But my friend, we've made our picks. We have our predictions. And two hours in, I cannot thank you enough for being part of this NBA season preview that we've done now on two occasions. And I'm honored to have you with me here once again. But before we head on out, it's time for the hard sell on why everybody needs to check out what you're doing at the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Yeah, Locked On NBA Draft is, is um, you know, where I'm doing all my podcasts. It's Monday, Mondays and Thursdays. This year, you know, right now, it's, it's kind of like the dead season, or it has been, I guess, the last month has been like the dead season as far as NBA Draft stuff. I'm starting to pick back up, but I'm trying to come up with different podcast episodes that are a little bit different than than the norm of just talking about the regular prospects at my last episode I, I talked about should NBA teams be concerned about French prospects maybe not the most I, I guess I should say it could be a little bit controversial but you know one of the you know the players is a new Laker say Kudabuya guy was the 15th pick in the draft he was highly touted and between the the Pistons, the Nets, the Rockets, now the Lakers. He's on the two-way. Killian Hayes so far hasn't really lived up to the hype, even though it's a small sample size. 
while the most successful players out of France have been guys that were selected in the 20s, from Evan Fournier to Tony Parker to um, Oladipo to Nick Batum. And so with France having such a, 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 a strong pipeline of guys that are projected to go high in the draft, should it be something that we're concerned about? So it'll be different topics like that that may be a little bit different than you're going to hear on your typical NBA draft podcast. And then also um, my goal is to do more writing, writing more articles this year. NBADraftJunkies.com. Yep, NBADraftJunkies.com. Trying to put out more videos. And also, if all goes well, I'm still a few weeks away, but I think I will be spending the majority of the season in Europe. So I already have my schedule as far as scouting at least through mid-December. So if all goes well, I'll be able to catch some games in Paris and then also Madrid. So really looking forward to these next few weeks. If that's the case, I wish you the safest of travels, my friend. Enjoy yourself while you're there. And again, there's no better perspective on the NBA Draft than the Locked On NBA Draft podcast, NBADraftJunkies.com. And of course, be one of the, what, 15,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel, NBA Draft Junkies? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 15-7, something like that, almost 15-8. Oh, there you go. There you go, indeed. So please go ahead and subscribe, NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. Check out what he's doing, NBADraftJunkies.com. And, of course, each week on the Lockdown NBA Draft podcast, every Monday and Thursday, they've got great shows there on Tuesday and Wednesday as well. So if you are an aficionado or a fan of the NBA Draft, there's no better place to go than the Lockdown NBA Draft podcast. Well, my friend, you are done with me for now. <laughs> After two hours of hearing my voice and that NBA season preview, I am so honored again, as always, to have you here. Any last thoughts on the way out? Nope. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. You know, you've played a big role in, in my podcast career. So anytime you want me on, I'm, I'm here. Uh, likewise as well, my friend. It's always a great honor to have you here. One of the most insightful people I've ever had the chance to speak to about anything, including the NBA. So I'm just truly honored to have you here. It's always great to have Mr. Rafael Barlow on the show. Once again, Locked On NBA Draft Podcast, NBA Draft Junkies. Please check it out. So awesome to have you here as part of the NBA season preview that only we can do right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.